Good morning, and thank you for joining me on this Friday morning as we uh, pack for the upcoming uh, Sunday sermon. Just uh, we take some time to uh, give you some thoughts that, that may help uh, prepare your heart and your mind uh, for uh, the appreciation, uh, the uh, apprehension of, of the sermon and the uh, participation in the worship of our living God. And so it's certainly our desire uh, that you join with us at North Clay uh, this Sunday morning. We are going to return uh, to the study of the book of Acts. We, we left off in Acts 20 uh, and verse 17. And we're going to read uh, Acts, 7, uh, Acts 20 verses 17 through 21 in just a moment, give you some introductory comments. What I want to do and I think I'll do it over two, two uh, sermons, is uh, look at, obviously, the passage, uh, how it fits within the narrative of the growth of the early church and uh, you know, Paul's particular career uh, as a missionary evangelist pastor. And uh, then look also at uh, the, uh, the reality of uh, eldership, of, of pastoring. We're going to go back and, and kind of... Uh, uh, remind some of the things that the Bible says to us uh, related to the obligations and the duties of those that are elders or pastors. Uh, and so uh, there, there's a couple of things that, that are in view uh, here. Uh, I'm going to draw your attention to, to basically one brief section here uh, after I read uh, a portion of this text. And so read with me uh, Acts 20:17. Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And they came to him and he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, and how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable in teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God, and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul spent, uh, I think, his longest extended uh, time in ministry in the city of Ephesus. It was successful and it was stressful uh, that uh, he faced, faced uh, all types of conflicts uh, there from both Jew and Gentile. And uh, he reminds them of his consistent message. And I think that message should always be at the forefront of what we're doing, that we are calling for people to repent and place their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and those things always go together. You, I mean, in some sense, they're separate, but they always go together. Okay, we'll talk more about that. But he talked about the first, that, he, that while he was there serving, uh, he served, his service was characterized by humility. I know, I know of nothing more humbling than to be a pastor. Uh, because you've, you realize very quickly how limited uh, your abilities, uh, your skills uh, are in that, that which we desire to see done in a congregation, uh, the, uh, people being saved, people's lives being transformed, marriages being uh, reconciled, all of these things, even, even sick people healed, we, we don't have the power to do it. Uh, we, uh, we, we preach and we teach and we call upon God to bless these things uh, to the life of the church. But uh, you find out very quickly uh, that uh, uh, your, your power 
is very limited. Uh, in fact, I would say uh, our, my power is non-existent. What, whatever is done in the church that has eternal value is done by the very power of God, not by the power of any pastor. So it, it humbles us. Uh, the tears uh, that are characteristic of, of a pastor, we grieve as uh, those within our congregation grieve. If you're not grieving with your church members, you're not a pastor. You're not pastoring your people. And you've not entered their lives. You don't feel the pain uh, of uh, the, the sorrows of life. And so uh, it is a, a challenging thing. And then the, the trials, uh, again, uh, if, if you're not being opposed, and at some level both within the church and from the outside of the church. Now, again, we don't, we don't want conflict in the church. But uh, there is a reality uh, that uh, the church writ large uh, typically uh, has uh, uh, unbelievers and immature uh, uh, unbelievers and immature believers in there and they are going to object to the truth of the Word of God and create uh, turmoil and conflict and then of course as uh, we go out and seek to minister uh, the gospel in an unbelieving world uh, we're inviting conflict uh, there uh, as well and so uh, it is a, a challenging work. Uh, if it is done rightly, it will be met. Uh, uh, it will certainly be met with opposition, and uh, possibly it could be met with success. Uh, but there's no guarantee of success in the sense of seeing things happen that you might like to see. Now, uh, as we're faithful to God's truth. Uh, it will not return void. His word will accomplish the purpose for which he sent it. And we have confidence in that. And that's why we seek to be uh, driven uh, by the word and driven to uh, the word. And so uh, I hope that uh, you would read through the entire passage uh, beginning in verse 17, going all the way to the end of the chapter. This very powerful and poignant uh, meeting between Paul and these, these godly men that were leading the church at Ephesus. Uh, Paul has uh, certainly some sense of what lies ahead for him. Uh, it's going to be very similar to what has been behind him, uh, mainly persecution and opposition. He recognizes he will not be coming back to Ephesus again, so it's a final meeting uh, between them. And uh, it's, you see something of the great tenderness and the great affection uh, that Paul and these elders have for one another. And all of these things should uh, be somewhat characteristic of uh, life in every church. So uh, I pray that uh, these things will be a blessing to your day. And again, I hope that you will gather with us here at North Clay uh, this Sunday morning. God bless you.